can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Before we begin today's episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognise and pay our respects to elders past, present and future whose lands were never ceded. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. Honey, you know how we spoke about mouth taping the other week? Mm-hmm. Have you tried it yet? No, I am like... Definitely mouth breathing because I told you my boyfriend always imitates me sleeping now. Yeah. (sighs) I feel like it must be easier for us to mouth tape because we don't have a lot of hair on that area. But we tried to mouth tape Adrian's mouth the other night Mm -hmm. and I just had like, what's it called? That tape that you use on like your ankles and your knees and stuff. Sports tape. I tried to use sports tape. Because it's not overly sticky. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to like rip his skin off if I put this on him because I don't know, it comes off relatively easily, but it just wouldn't stick because he's got facial hair. So I don't know what tape you're meant to use. Mm. So I had to put like all these different layers on. It was like he was wearing some kind of like torture apparatus because (laughs) I had to do like multiple different things of tape. Oh, and did it work? It stayed on for most of the night, but then we woke up in the middle of the night and had to like ask him about something upstairs, like something was rattling upstairs and then he just pulled it off and he slept with the rest of the night. But I did hear him snoring with it on. So I don't (laughs) think that that's like solving the snoring issue. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know what to do about it. So he's a snorer. No, not usually, but he has been lately. So I'm trying to get to the bottom of what it is because I said on my Hinge profile, I will not have any snorers. So he's mm. going to have to move out if he can't get on top of it. <laughs> can I ask with the mouth breathing, can you imitate what he sounds like? Like, do you hear it? Yeah, he's just like. <sighs> like that. So it's like. <sighs> yeah. Is that what you're doing? You sound like a very – it's like you can't breathe. Well, I don't know how else to impersonate him. (laughs) Because apparently the way I do it is this. this, It doesn't sound healthy, but it's like (sighs) – Yeah, I think that's probably more a, like, mental thing. That sounds like you're panicked. Not panic, but he says it's like – I'll show you. It's like (sighs) – Yeah, but that's very quick. Like, why is your heart rate so elevated? <laughs> it doesn't sound like I'm getting enough air out, like I'm taking more air in than I'm breathing out through my mouth. But it sounds like he's like a bit laboured. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I feel like maybe we might need to go and see a doctor or something about it because I can't deal with snoring. I keep asking Nick to record me in the night and he's uh-huh. like, oh, I want to see what I'm doing. He says it's only when I, when I'm on my back I start doing it. Get one of those apps that record, you know, the sleep talking apps. You should get one of them. Uh-huh. And then it just stays recording the whole night and you can hear if you've been like sleep talking or breathing weird or like farting in your sleep. Well, so I was going to get my ring light and set up my camera <laughs> one night <laughs> and I was going to like record – I'd have to record probably time lapse because I just don't think. Yeah, but then it's not going to record the sound. Oh, okay. But then I can't leave it going for like eight hours. Yeah, exactly. Just get one of those apps. It'll just record the sound and then have your phone next to your bed. Yeah, okay. All right. 
I'll give it a go. You don't need to see yourself, do you? I just wanted to see like all the moving. You want a visual? Yeah, I want a visual of what's going on. Okay. Because <laughs> I didn't think I ever slept on my back, but I must because Nick says yeah. that he'll wake up and I'll be on my back mouth breathing. And I was like, well, this is new to me. I was single for so long. I had no idea what I was doing in the middle of the night. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> the things you find out. <laughs> Well, it's on today's episode, Hannah. So on today's episode, we have Megan joining us. She has mm. a cringy story from her honeymoon. Then we're chatting to a genetic counsellor on why we look the way we do. And of course, the products we didn't know we needed. Okay, so Megan has just sent both of us this photo of her toe from her honeymoon. <sighs> oh, we're both like, oh, Blah. What? This is Hannah's first time seeing it. <laughs> Megan is here to tell us this story and we also have some contributors from the Facebook group as well who've had some traumatic toe injuries. Megs, can you explain what is going on here? How to share this to the thread in the Facebook group when this episode comes out? <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My cool. face isn't attached, so it's all good. So do you want like the backstory? Yeah, I want the backstory because we came back from Europe at the same time and went into the office and you were wearing sandals on like a 15 degree day. And I was like, what is happening here? Guys, I've had to wear open toe shoes on like 14 degree raining days, like in the office. And I obviously don't give everyone the backstory. So I think people just thought I was a freak <laughs> or like, you know, that girl that came back from Europe and is just like bringing summer with her. Yeah. <laughs> really embarrassing. But yeah, so it was like a five week long trip. And I genuinely thought I was shocked I hadn't gotten injured before this because we were going to beaches where you had to like abseil down ladders and like do all this stuff. And the whole time I'd bought a pair of Havanas, Havianas, I don't know how people prefer to say it, over there because I'd forgot to bring thongs. And I was like bragging about how much tread the thongs had on them because they were getting me through everywhere, mm. like marble steps, everything. And I was like, these thongs are just like sports mode. They're amazing. And then on the very last day, when I, we were literally walking back to the hotel to like do the big final pack up and head to the airport, I was just walking through Athens and I thought I just tripped. And I was like, oh, that's so embarrassing because it was a really busy street. And then I'm like, oh, wait, that actually really hurts. And I looked down and I was like, oh, I just saw my nail, my second toe nail completely back. And I was like, Oh my God. Cause when I looked down, I thought, Oh, did I break it? Cause I'm like, it's really sore. Then I saw the nail completely back. Nail flipped off. Yeah. The nail had flicked back and I was like, Oh, that's not good. I've got goosebumps. Yeah. And then Joey had looked down and he was like, Oh, there's actually like a lot of blood. Maybe go and sit down. Cause you're like trailing it everywhere on the street. I was like, Oh my God, what? <laughs> it's a biohazard. <laughs> also during all of this, I said, but I really want to go into H&M. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so then we're lying in the middle with like my toe up. By this stage, I've seen it and it kills. It's actually really starting to hurt now. So Joey's like, you just got to get back to the hotel room. I'm like, doll, I cannot walk on this thing. I'm like, it is hurting so much. And because it's the toe, it balances me out a lot. Do you know what you knocked it on for that to happen? I think it was like a grate or something in the oh. in the road. Oof. It was like a steel okay. thing. I don't know. Not much OH&S there in Athens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like just lying there. Joey came back. He ended up going to the pharmacy and getting antibacterial wipes and I don't know what else. And then as we're like lying there and he's doing his little procedure on the toe, a podiatrist from Sydney just walks up. No. 
Wow. Yeah. And he was like, oh, what's happened? And Joey's like, oh, can you fix her toe? I'm like, no, don't let this poor man have to touch my my toe. (laughs) Let it go. But honestly, the recovery I was really surprised with. So we just kept bandaging it up with like antibacterial gel or whatever it was. And it was fine. Like it was like four straight weeks of bandaging it up. But now she's made a full recovery. I'm back in closed toe shoes and... Who would have thought? Because I honestly thought like, oh, this prob's going to get infected, especially like on the plane. So has the toenail fallen off now like, or is it reattached? So because it was so tightly bandaged every day, it's actually yeah. reattached. Oh. But I'm too scared to go and get a petty because they soak. <sighs> yeah. Yes. And you might get the shock of your life and it just falls off. Yeah. I don't mind if it falls off, but I'm like, what if it's like not here? I don't know. So now my toes, my little dogs are so crusty still because I haven't been able to go and get a petty. First world problems, I know. But in the meantime, I was just rolling around in sandals everywhere. So embarrassing. Hannah, you've just sent us a very gruesome photo. (laughs) Sorry, guys. What looks like I don't even know how to describe this photo to the audience. Oh. The amount of skin that's going on here. So I tripped in Thailand a huge chunk of skin. It fully, like this big chunk came off. But same as you, I think it, did it get infected? I don't remember. That looks pussy, Hannah. I don't remember taking <laughs> antibiotics. That, so, you know, all that stuff looks like sand. It's not. It's from the Band-Aid. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I wrapped that up. Like, I swear, every day Mm. I wrapped it in, like, a lot. Yeah, so I was wearing Birkenstocks everywhere. And actually, it also, I think, the skin reattached from memory. Yeah. That skin kind of, like, it all healed. I don't think I took antibiotics, but maybe I did because it does look infected in that photo. (laughs) It does look really pussy. (laughs) I probably did. I can't remember. That looks very infected from that footage like every time I go to Thailand I have to take antibiotics at some point because if you even get a I had a tiny cut on my thumb that got infected and I had to take antibiotics like it was a tiny little cut and it was like blew up blew up yeah so the toe actually like you Megan the Mm. toe actually healed very quickly I was really surprised I wore Birkenstocks I think maybe for 10 days two weeks and then I was able to put those shoes on but my toenail was intact so it did. But heal. toes are quite resilient, I would say. Like, it's pretty impressive. Joe, I feel you're still looking at that with a really disgusted look on your face. No, no, I'm not. I'm actually, I'm reading some of the stories. In the oh, Facebook okay. Group That's what the So that I can, yeah, so that I can reiterate them to you. I'm just reading this one from Emily who said, wore boots and traipsed around Turkey years ago with shellac on my toenails. My big toenail became really sore and when I pressed on it, pus came out the side. Oh, my gosh. By the time I went to the doctor, I was on the island of Eos and there was one GP. He rode in on his motorbike while I was in the waiting room, didn't wash his hands, cut out the ingrown toenail with a pair of scissors with no gloves, and then she sat up afterwards crying in the in pain and he flicked the tear away from her cheek saying, that wasn't so bad and still hadn't washed his hands. <laughs> That's so great, That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Caitlin said she bashed her toe under a door and then slid a sliding door over it. So her nail went black and I think blood had pulled up underneath so her dad had to stab through the nail with a hot knee. No, no. It's to relieve the pressure? Yeah, yeah. Oh, is dad a doctor or um, just <laughs> I don't think she didn't mention okay. it. She didn't mention it. Oh, I think you okay. would if he was. 
Sarah says, my partner was sitting next to me at the dining table and Sammy lifted his chair to shuffle himself forward and landed on my big toe. I couldn't walk for a week and after five months, the black toenail finally fell off mid-pedicure. The girl was trying to glue it back down and then realised a new one had thankfully begun to grow underneath. Took almost a year to be back to normal. That could be me when I finally go for my petty. Could be you. At least it's not your big toe though. Yeah, I it's know. It's only the second one. So really it's it's not the main character. So I think you're fine. Yeah. Also, how heavy was he shuffling his chair forward? Well, she says he's six foot five, so probably pretty oh, heavy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Big boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, big unit. <laughs> And then Elise said she rolled over her toe with a wheelie bin, ripped the nail halfway off, but it was still attached. So she went to a pedicure place and they put a tea bag like material on it, which I've said before, you can repair your nails with that. Yes. And she coated it with shellac and a color. And then she went back every two weeks for a reapplication until it healed. And she said she highly recommends that method. I don't know about oh. that. <laughs> I, you know what? I've seen on Instagram and TikTok though, there's this new, it might be like a, a spin off of Biab where you can build it up onto the skin and just like you just remodel it a little bit and you attach it to whatever toe is left. And then they cure it and then they like sand it down. Sand? Is that file it, file, file it. it. File yep. it. File it down. Yeah. And so they basically create a full toenail again. I wish I'd saved oh. it on TikTok so that I could share it, but apparently there is like a new technology going around that you can just add on. It's just like an extension, you know? Yeah. Well, my bestie's toenail, it's like just really skinny. It's like probably, I would say like, Half the width that her toenail yeah. should be, just on one of her feet. I feel like so I know the she type. Could benefit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny looking. Yeah, she should try it. <laughs> oh, well, thanks for grossing us out today, Megs. We appreciate you coming on the pod, and we'll Anytime. share your fo- both your photos. Hannah, are you okay with yours going in the Facebook group? I don't think we should post these to the Facebook group. If I'm honest, like this is like <laughs> this is a trigger warning situation. Yeah, trigger warning, don't go to the Facebook group and look at this thread. <laughs> yeah, there needs to be like a warning page first, I think. Yeah, oh, a you consent, reckon? A consent page before they yeah. do it. No, I do not consent to my toe being putting on the <laughs> Facebook page. <laughs> you heard it here. So I've been really keen to do this topic because I find genetics so interesting. So today we're joined by Catherine Visser from Genetic Counselling Australia. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I didn't know this was a job. So can you firstly tell us exactly what a genetic counsellor does? I absolutely can. And look, you're not alone in that. Uh, Most people have never heard of a genetic (laughs) counsellor unless they've needed to see one. I guess genetic counsellor is another type of healthcare professional. So we're people who have specialist knowledge in the areas of human genetics, in counselling and in health communication skills. So we work with and communicate with individuals or families about the chance of inherited conditions. So Mm. we're trying to help people understand whether they're at risk of something or whether they have got a condition and help them make informed choices about whether they want to have genetic testing or reproductive options or, you know, if they need support because sometimes it can be a very stressful time, you know, and very emotional if people are finding out that they're at risk of something or that they're going to have a baby with something. Mm. So sometimes people come to us and they already have a diagnosis. Other times they might be seeking one, like I said, and other times there's like a family history of something and they want to know if there's a personal risk for them or if there's a risk for their children. So you can find genetic counsellors in lots of different places. So there is the setting of hospitals, community health centres, 
in specialist clinics such as ultrasound clinics, research institutes, genetics laboratories, and even in roles with the government in policy and projects. So we are, you know, around in different places, but we're still a growing profession. So there's not a huge amount of us. It's a relatively new profession around the world, but within Australia particularly, that has become very specialised over the years and it's continuing to grow. So you'll find us both in the public and in the private health sector. And there's lots of different, you know, people might be doing work in education or in academia or in those labs, like we said. Mm. Do you think that the changes over the last probably like 50 years have improved health outcomes in general? Because a lot of people wouldn't have really known the genetic impact of certain conditions 50 years ago. So do you think that's really drastically impacted like the health of our community now? Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. Our understanding and our technology has come so far, even if you look just at the last five to 10 years, let alone Mm. 50 years, and it's having a huge impact on people understanding. The thing is, because people don't often know their family history or people didn't talk about in the older generations, they didn't talk about disease or illnesses or things like that. So sometimes people aren't even aware, but if we now that we can know about our genetics and we can test for these things, people can have more awareness and can know if they're at risk. And because of that, that changing technology and changing our understanding, it's, we can, we're working out how do we best apply that to help people to have better health outcomes and to direct them. Very interesting. The thing that I always think about with genetics is eye color. Like there's that thing where both parents have blue eyes. Mm. I don't know if that's true. I feel like my sisters and I have debated that because we all have different eye colors. Can you explain the role of genetics in determining our physical appearance, like skin color, eye color, nose shape and facial structure? First, we need to understand a little bit about genetics in general. So I guess we know, you know, genetics, we're talking about our DNA. We've all heard about DNA. That's what makes us us and makes us unique. So our DNA is different person to person, but there's a lot of DNA that we share with our family, but also with just people that we don't actually know as well. Across humans, there's a a lot of genetics and genes that are kept the same. There's just little changes that we see. And so we do have these genes that are made of our DNA that act like sets of instructions for the body. And they can determine things like our hair colour, eye colour. They're involved in brain function, organ development. So we have about 20, 25,000 of these sets of instructions or genes, and they're basically packaged up into chromosomes. And that's how they're kind of passed on through the family. So when we talk about genetics, we are often talking about things that are passed down through the family, but not always. So things can be genetic and not be inherited. And so we kind of have to understand that as well. But we do get our genetics individually from our family. So we get one copy of all of our genes from our mum and one copy of all of our genes from our dad. So when it comes to things like eye colour, I love using that as an example with genetics. Yes, it is determined by our genes, but what can happen is it's about how those genes can interact with each other. So like I just said, you've got two copies of all of your genes. You get one from mum and one from dad. When you talk about blue eyes, we have different colours of eyes that can be there, that can be present in families and we see in people. And there is actually a dominant and recessive thing that goes on with eye colour. So one colour can be dominant over the other. So for example, if you've got a parent with brown eyes and you've got a parent with blue eyes, if you inherit one gene for brown eyes and one gene copy for blue eyes, you're going to have brown eyes right? Mm. You know, what's really weird. My nephew has blue eyes and both his parents have brown eyes. Yeah. So they must both have a copy of the brown and a copy of the blue. And he just got blue, blue from each of them. Yep. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So if he'd gotten one, just one brown and one blue, he He would would have have had brown brown eyes, but because he got blue from both sides, but that's why we sometimes look at people and think, oh, that's weird. Like, 
did you get that from your parents? Yeah. <laughs> or did, you know, sometimes we make a joke about, oh, what color eyes does the milkman have? Like, <laughs> that kind of thing. But yeah, there is actually, it still can be explained by genetics. But when it comes different mm. parts of the face, it's interesting to read about, about the genetics in the face. There's some traits that are particularly, well, we think, you know, a lot of genes would be at play with the facial structure and the like nose and things like that. But a lot more things are different things are inherited and different things are due to genetics. So they think that the nose is the most inherited thing on your face, the most heritable feature. Yeah, which is interesting. They think, you know, they've even identified the like a gene that they think is involved in determining things like that and that has helped change the shape of nose over time. And things like that can change because it's better for us. So, for example, obviously, you know, in terms of how we breathe and things like that, depending on where we are, you know, there may be changes in the air that, that a different nose shape might be more beneficial for different nationalities and ethnicities. And so they have seen over time that there is a, a gene that they've found that does change and can be different depending on where you are in the world, as well as like what you're passing down to your children. So yeah, it's really interesting. And then with just in terms of overall facial structure that you were asking about, Hannah, like they know that there is likely a lot of genetics at play, but we don't actually understand a lot about what's involved but it's interesting because when we talk about things that are genetic we also have to think about it's not just genes that define things like that so we know that with the face there's actually environmental impact of things like that as well and things that we're exposed to even people having surgery and things like that are obviously going to change and impact even on our genetics so whatever genes we have we're born with and we have that through our whole lifetime that doesn't change but things like diet and exercise and things can change what our face looks like as well because if we lose weight our face changes when we get older our face changes even though our genes don't change throughout our lifetime so we know that that's not changing but certain other things can change as we get older so to do with like the skin and it getting you know not having as much elasticity and things like that Obviously, you don't get like 50-50 from your parents. Is there a way to determine what you get from each parent? So actually, you do get 50-50 from your parents. But you're not going to look like half your mum, half your dad, (laughs) Exactly. I feel like I do. Like actually. (laughs) Yeah, Hannah, you're actually a really good example. Everyone says that I look they can't tell who I look more like because I'm exact middle <laughs> yeah. my parents. Yeah. 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 I think I look a bit like both. Like I get, if I'm with my mum, people say I look like my mum. If I'm with my dad, people say I look like my dad. Yeah. That's exactly what I get. So yep. obviously I have the features of both, but it's interesting because yeah, we do, whilst we do inherit 50% of our genes from our parents, like from each parent, genetics is complex, right? So even though we've inherited those 50%, we've got that thing of like the dominant, like I said, where one copy of that gene can be dominant over the other. And then also how the different genes interact with each other when they're in your body. But we also have things where when we talk about genes and those sets of instructions, they can be turned on and off. Right. So sometimes genes that come from dad are that that copy's turned on and mum's copy's mm, okay. turned off with certain genes or vice versa for other genes. So that's where you actually might find that even though you have 50% of your genes from either parent, you might actually have more genes that are active and switched on and working in the body that are from your dad, for example. Yeah, I've done an ancestry DNA test because I was very curious. I, as I said, this topic interests me quite a lot. <laughs> Yes. And were you surprised or were you? I was a little bit by a few things in there, but I mean, both my parents come from very similar backgrounds. So it was kind of hard to determine who was who and and what was coming from where, but it was very interesting. I feel like I want to get them each one of those tests to see what comes up in theirs. And then I can figure out what belongs to who. 
Exactly. So then you can, but then you can feed that back because people think that, okay, why would I get my parents to do that test? Cause it's going to be the same as mine, but actually it's not. Like you said, it's going to show yeah. you what's come from which side because you're a blend of both of them. Mm. So it's going to be really interesting to see that. And I've done that myself. Actually, I've had myself tested and my, yeah. my parents. And so we can actually see what's come from which side. So is it true that genetics can sometimes skip a generation? Like I think you hear about like balding, it comes from the mum. I can't even remember what it is. Like it skips. Is it the mum's dad or something? (laughs) So I don't think that skips a generation though. I think that's probably that it's the male. So yeah, is that even true? No, it's not. It's As much as we do hear this and we keep hearing this, it can't skip a generation per se. But what you can see is that sometimes you don't see it in a generation. So, for example, like we talked about the blue eyes, right? So mm. there could be people that are carrying that blue eye gene copy, but they have brown eyes. And then if two people come together that are both carrying one copy of that blue eye variant and they pass that on, then they can have a blue eyed child. So it hasn't skipped a generation per se. And it's the same with like conditions like balding or or other medical conditions that get passed on. It can't skip it. If you don't have it, you can't pass it on. Mm. Right. And so it can't just appear out of nowhere. You know, we do get new genetic changes that can cause things to be different. But when we're talking about things that are passed on, it can't skip a generation. It can just be kind of not seen or be silent in one generation, but it's still there. It's just that it might need two copies of that particular gene working together to create that effect. And have there been any surprising discoveries in any studies of how genetics influence what we look like? That's a great question. I've been looking around trying to find something interesting that, you know, was unsurprising. And I guess we're not surprised by a lot because we just didn't know a lot until we could start looking into things. So I guess the things that people probably found surprising was things that we thought were likely to be inherited that we are finding that we maybe they're not passed down. So there might still be a genetic component. So it's caused by something in our genes, but it's not actually something that gets passed down or things. I did read a random thing about blonde hair in a population of people that have very dark skin, one of the Polynesian islands. They assumed that it was something that was passed on through, it must have come, you know, somebody's from come from Europe and given them because, you know, blonde hair is actually not that, mm. that common is in when you look at the overall population of of the world you tend to see it in you know those scandinavian countries in mm-hmm. europe where is it where it came from so to see it on a polynesian island with people with very dark skin was a very strange thing and they thought oh it must just be that it's an influence from europe and someone's come in and and you know it's their genetics but when they actually were able to test that and did testing of thousands of people on that island and in that community and compared it to those European people with blonde hair, it actually was completely different. It was not caused by the same gene. It was something that had come purely from that area and nothing to do with the European cause for blonde hair. So that was interesting in that you just don't see that combination. It's almost always dark hair and dark skin when you're looking at people and then you expect that that blonde hair would have come from those countries where we see it, but it didn't. So not super fascinating for you, but I guess there hasn't been as many surprises with like the way we look because the things that we can see that we see from generation to generation are generally things that are related to our genetics and that we can pass on. But there's a lot that we just didn't know and we haven't made any assumptions about. Do you find yourself studying people's faces when you're standing in front of them and their parents and just kind of like looking at the familial traits? Always, always. (laughs) Absolutely. It's hard not to. And it's particularly, it just amazes me how strong genetics can be sometimes and how it can be different. So like, for example, my dad looks much more like one of his first cousins than his siblings. 
And that always oh, just fascinates mm-hmm. me, right? But it's just about that whole idea that you're passing on only that 50%, right? But you're still, you're yeah. sharing your genetics with your, with your family members and you're still sharing it with your cousins and things like that. And it may just be the way that it's each of the, the different genes is passed down. It's just passed down very similarly between you and your cousin more so than you and your brother or sister because there's that, yeah. that difference. So yeah, I find it fascinating and I love looking at people in the family and working out. I mean, I think everybody does, even when you're not in genetics, people like to look at people yeah. and see who they look like and which traits yeah. they got from which parent and things like that. Well, this has been a very interesting chat. I've really enjoyed this. It's Thanks, true. Catherine. We really appreciate you joining us. If you want to find Catherine, you can find her at geneticcounselingaustralia.com.au. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much, ladies. Thanks for having me. Product we didn't know we needed. You go first because I'm looking mine up. Okay, mine today. I am obsessed with this smell. It is the Loxitan Almond Firming Concentrate. The amount of people that don't know how to pronounce this brand, especially when they start at Adore Beauty and they call it Lockitane. Yep. I think I did that. Lockitane. I said Lockitane. Yeah, I think you did. Yeah. I got some flowers from them the other day, actually, and Jin walked in and she was like, you've got some flowers delivered from Lockitane. Lock- I'm like, it's Lockitane. <laughs> you've, you've been here for five years. <laughs> It's the almond firming milk concentrate. It comes in a little jar, a glass jar, and it is just the most luxurious buttery body moisturizer. It's one of those ones that, you know, I've got my like functional body moisturizers that don't really have a scent. They're very rich, you know, using them before you do a fake tan kind of thing. And then there's these luxurious ones that are obviously very scented. They're like buttery. They feel like you're putting cake frosting on your skin. This is $75. So it's obviously not sitting in that affordable range, but it makes a great gift. And I just absolutely love the smell of this and the almond body oil. I can't explain what it even smells like because I don't think almonds have a smell. And the shower. The shower oil. Yeah. Obsessed. Is that what you're talking about? That is smells so good. Oh, my God. So this has the same smell as that. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, a little bit goes a long way. So I feel like this jar would take a significant amount of time to go through, especially if you're not using it morning and night. Like if you're using a different cheaper body moisturizer during the day and then you just want to pop this on at night to cocoon yourself in and to smell amazing while you're sleeping, then, yeah, I would say this would last you quite a while. It's enriched with almond milk and sweet almond oil. Oh, that must be where the smell comes from. I was wondering, like, what does almond smell like? But that makes more sense, Mm. doesn't it? It does absorb into your skin really quickly and, yeah, it's just got a beautiful velvety texture. So I definitely can recommend this. If you're looking for a gift for someone that really likes nice-smelling things or someone that already likes the body oil, this would be a really good addition to their routine. Nice. What's yours today, Hannah? So I I don't think I've ever spoken about this, but we may have spoken about it like a million years ago on the podcast, probably four years ago. It's the Egyptian Magic All-Purpose Skin Cream. Oh, Egyptian Magic. (laughs) BOG. I hadn't yeah. used it. I hadn't used it. Oh, I used to speak about this all the time. I know. I've got really dry skin on my shins. That's mm-hmm. the like the main place. I get dry shins. No, can't really. Very specific. I always yeah. have dry shins. So I have been using this on the shins. But a couple of things that I'm not sure, like it says 
like on the product page, Cleopatra is rumored to have secretly used this concoction to enhance her skin and hair. Is that true? Not sure. Well, that's why it's called Egyptian magic. Possibly. She's not around to confirm, so I guess we've just got to go based on rumors. So the ingredients is olive oil. Oh, olive oil. Okay. Mm. Well, this is a J-Lo. This is a... This is a J-Lo special. <laughs> this is J-Lo magic. <laughs> olive oil, beeswax, honey, bee pollen, royal jelly. It's basically like this all-rounder balm that you can really use for anything. It's got here sunburn, blisters, cuts and scrapes, razor bumps, ingrown hairs, dry skin, which is what I'm using it for, dye for rash, dry scalp. I didn't know that one. Yep. Use it on your cuticles, dry heels, nipples. Oh, and it can also be used as a leg and facial shaving cream and after shave lotion, cuticle oil, body massage oil. Yeah. Cause it kind of, it is a balm, but then you can warm it up into an oil. Yeah. And yeah, it's like suitable for very dry skin, redness and sensitivity. So yeah, I feel like I can't believe I hadn't used this before. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? I'm surprised you hadn't used it either after I talked about it so much. I think I might've used it I'm trying to remember. I remember you said that it was for – you had said on a podcast episode to use it on the heels, like if you've got yeah. really dry heels. So do like your liquid exfoliant, yes. like an AHA, and then yes. whack that over the top, put some socks on, and your feet will be so soft. That was like one of my first tips I reckon I shared on this podcast. I think it was. I yeah. will definitely – I actually want to try that, although my heels are actually feeling all right at the moment. Usually they're very dry. It has got a lot of five-star reviews, and I think most people are saying like it's just so good for like – multi-purpose like just something yeah. to have isn't it only like 30 bucks how much is it this is the i'm looking at the big one let me just have oh, a look at the boy. different the big boy there's 118 mil is 60 the travel size is 42 i think i had the travel size yeah okay that's 59 yeah. mils but the 118 that's mils i'd be quite big wouldn't it yeah that's a big tub and yeah that is my product today an oldie but a goodie yes definitely an oldie but a goodie Love that. So, Joanna. Yeah. Okay. So, my time about talking about contact lenses is pretty much almost over because I've obviously had laser eye mm. surgery now. Yes, <laughs> which you had while I was away. And I had to see that via Instagram. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. I booked it in, had it done. Were you freaking out during that process? Sorry. I feel like we should have talked about this in the first episode. I was back. So, yes. He, the doctor actually told me to stop deep breathing because I was going to mm. breathe part like dust into my eyes yep. like, just before the surgery. He's like, stop. I can imagine. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I know. he's like, you can't, so you can't do I that. I know exactly what you would have been doing. <laughs> I was so nervous. I'm sorry. They're about to laser my eye. Oh, hundred percent. I'd be panicking too. I could smell, smell burning eye flesh. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. They are healed now. So now I'm just going like, it's still, I'm still having like my checkups. How much of your eyesight is back, do you reckon? Apparently 2020. At the moment, there's oh. like it does like fluctuates. To, uh, like I had a different. I didn't have LASIK because I have like a thin cornea. I ended up having this other procedure, PRK. So it's a longer period of time. But anyway, okay, I'm still fluctuating a little bit. But but when mm -hmm. I did the eye test, it was 2020. But okay. sadly, I no longer. I'm doing. I see someone sent me this contact lens video, and I want to send it to you because I want to yeah. discuss because. I feel like there's two types of people. There is contact lens wearers 
and non-contact lens wearers. And if you see a video, all the contact lens wearers comment like, oh my God, that's me. Oh my God, so relatable. And then the non-contact lens wearers are like, oh, that's disgusting. And they post vomit emojis on these videos. That sounds like something that I would do. Like when you had that yeah. jewelry case full of dried contact lenses you brought into the studio. <laughs> but contact lens wearers get it. Like we're part of a group and we understand each other. Yeah, if you know, you know. Exactly. So I've just sent it to you. Can you describe okay. what's going on? Some, I, I think a listener must have sent this to me. Okay. There's a little ceramic bath they're putting their dried contact lenses into I feel and they're picking them up all from the floor and putting them in the little bath yeah oh it looks like a bubble bath kind of cute so <laughs> it's like a little bubble bath for your dried contact lenses so this has got 24,000 likes wow and 29,000 shares because these are contact lens wearers so if yeah. you go look at the comments you'll see the vomit emojis and then you'll see the contact lens wearers all commenting yeah. like I thought I was the only one They're united as one yeah someone thought they were press on nails so that's obviously <laughs> not yeah and then someone said collect them and put them in a container with water like and then you see all of the vomit emojis in the middle of all so I feel that contact lens wearers are just they really understand each other and if you're not you will never yeah. you'll never understand what you know our little quirks the amount it's so funny because you see people dropping them on the like picking them up from the ground in these videos and not like you just think that's gross right but contact lens wearers all like understand I just think if I wore contact lenses I probably would take them out as I'm like doing my skincare like after I've done my skincare I would take them out in the bathroom and chuck them in the bathroom bin or do you just forget that you have them in? No, because if you're ne- if you're going to watch like something on your phone or you're going to watch, like I watch a bit of oh, YouTube before bed. Yeah. So you keep them in until the last minute and then take them out if you're really blind like I was. Yeah, because I have 20-20 vision, so I just don't understand yeah. what that would be like. Yeah, okay. Interesting. You usually keep them in until the last minute and then you kind of turn off, like I turn off the iPad and then I take them out. Not okay. anymore. And I've got to tell you, Every night before bed in the first maybe month that I had the surgery, yeah. I went to put my finger in my eye oh. at night. <gasps> oh, oh, whoops. <laughs> and then I, uh, like every time I almost put my finger in my eye. Oh, oh, oh. I luckily didn't do it, but it's a reflex. Yeah. Well, your apartment must be a lot cleaner. Yep. My boyfriend said he's so happy. Nick's like that. I'm just so happy. I don't have to find contact lenses. He doesn't have to step on your contact lenses every time he's in the bedroom. He's like, it's just changed our lives. So. Oh, bless him. (laughs) Well, we'll see you guys next week. See you next week. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated.